The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, verse 3. Beloved... While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly. Everybody say contend. Contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do today, for what you did in the first service and what you'll do now in the moments that remain here in the 10 o'clock service. For all that are online and those that are gathered here, give us a living understanding. Move, stir, touch, change. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That scripture calls us to contend for the faith. You heard of he's a, he's a heavyweight contender. You ever heard that expression? Talks about a fighter, heavyweight fighter. So there is a fight that's going on right now, even across our nation, for, for biblical grace, for really understanding what real grace is. And I spent many hours in study yesterday and uh, throughout the week in preparation for bringing the message to you today. We don't have notes on purpose. I chose not to have them. Uh, in my hours of preparation and, and even in the months preceding, there is really a, a great difficulty to try to define grace just by giving a paragraph definition. There is a, a, what or many are calling a neo-Calvinism that's out there, a hyper-grace message, and it's faulty. And so we felt led of the Spirit of God to bring a series to try to bring some correction to contend for the faith, to contend for what biblical grace is. And in understanding grace, we talked last week about grace personified out of 1 John, John chapter 1 that is. And grace personified, if you were to take grace and would embody physically in the earth, it would be Jesus. So if you look at Jesus, you want to see grace, definition of grace, look at, look at the life of Christ, look at the life of Jesus. And so we talked about that. We, we talked about how repentance is the mechanism by which you release the grace of God. And so in my, my time of prayer, I felt the Lord had me just sort of go back to a default setting in my own preaching and communication to you. 
You say, what do you mean by that? How many of you know you get default settings on Word documents and your computer has some default settings, right? So you can change those, but if you ever have to reboot or restart or, you know, you, it'll go back to the default setting. For me, I preach two or three different ways. My default setting is uh, no notes. Uh, you don't have notes. I have a few scribbly things, and I just let the Spirit of God lead me in a way of which he would communicate then through me. And there's, it's a flowing sort of prophetic-y type of style. That's sort of my default setting. I forced myself into the way that I usually preach because I just feel that it disciples better. And it was how I was discipled. I had notes handed to me just like I hand to you. My pastor, Dr. Morocco, who is our senior pastor over these 107 churches, uh, preaches that way. And so I forced myself into preaching expository messages with a thematic approach. Expository preaching with a thematic approach. So if somebody asks, well, in your church, well, how, how do they, do they teach? Do they, do they preach? Do they, we're teaching preaching expositorily with a thematic approach. All right. And so that's generally how we work, but uh, not today. Today, a little bit different. Turn to the book of Romans. Chapter three. Romans chapter three, and I want you to find verse 21. And before we read this, let me say... In the grace of God, the, the, the empowerment, his strength to, to live for him. If you don't understand his grace and his empowerment, you don't understand what he's done, you will never live a victorious life for Christ. You will never live and reign in this age with him. Do you know what I mean by reign? I mean walking with him in victory over sin, over darkness, over, over even disease. Walking in the promises of God, filled with joy, hope, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You'll never walk in that if you don't really have a revelation of grace. And, and as, as much as I'm going to try to teach you this morning about the righteousness of God, and, and the grace of God upon our lives to be his righteousness, actually translating us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We've been made new creations. And the more I got into it in the first service, and I think the same thing will happen today, the more I got into it, the more I began to be overwhelmed at what God has done for me, what he's done for you, what he's done for us. And many people haven't a clue. And so they live in ongoing compromise or they live in legalism, or they live in a sloppy, agape, a, a misunderstood grace that's not biblical at all. Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe there is no difference. You see, sin revealed to us, pardon me, the law revealed to us that we have sinned. 
Romans goes on to talk about that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in fact, when you look at the book of Romans, you will find that, that God in his word, the theology of the apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, begins to break down all the different excuses that we might come up with. For instance, in Romans chapter 1, he talks about the immoral person. The immoral person can't make it to heaven. There's no way they can. But the same is true in chapter 2. It says the moral person, chapter 2, the person that is moral, the person that does good, they can't make it either. And then he goes on to talk about in Romans chapter 3, uh, two, 2 and 3, the religious person is still guilty before God without Christ. What are you saying, Pastor Dan? I'm saying we're all messed up. Even when you think that you got it, you're still messed up. And there are people that think, well, you know, I've lived for God all my life. I tithe. I go to church. Bless God. You're still going to split hell wide open unless you've got Jesus in your heart, unless you've repented of your sin. Are you telling me, Pastor Daniel, that, that, that the, the immoral person is headed to hell without Christ? Yes, exactly what I'm telling you. Are you telling me that the moral person is headed to hell without Christ? It's exactly what I'm saying, yes. Are you telling me the religious person, the person who's religious is going to hell without Jesus? Oh, yeah. You know, like hold the phone, Batman. I mean, we all need help. Everyone needs help. Romans 3, 21 and, and following is God's solution to provide for us righteousness. It's the grace of God by which we're saved by grace through faith. There was a book I read a number of years ago um, by a writer, some of you I'm sure have heard of him, Max Lucado. It was called In the Grip of Grace. I'd encourage you to read it. It, was, it came out probably 15 years ago. I pulled it off my bookshelf and began to parouse through the pages. And there's an illustration that he shared called The River. And to read it in its fullness, you just go Google Max Lucado, The River. It's a parable. But I, I will do my best to, to give a little section of that. There is a castle and a father who had four sons living in a beautiful land and everything was provided for and through that land ran a great river. The river was strong, the river was powerful. These four sons, one son was a righteous son and submitted son. The other three were rebellious. And in the course of time, even though their father warned them, don't go near the river, they went near the river anyway. And wanting to feel the power of the water, one brother said, I'm going to stick my hand in the river. And said to the other brothers, you hold on to me so I don't fall in and I'm just going to feel the water. So the three rebellious sons lined up and 
One stuck his hand in the river and it just grabbed him and the other two and pulled all three rebellious brothers into the river and they were swept away with great power. The sound of a rushing river, they couldn't lift their voices above it. Nobody could hear them yelling for help. And in a moment they were gone trying to keep their balance and going through the rocks, pushing off of rocks, trying not to drown. It went on and on and on and on, taking them a very far, far distance from their father's castle and the land that they grew up in. They wound up on the shore of a land that was filled with a very immoral people, cave dwellers and wicked people. They stayed down at the shore and they set a fire and they hung out together for a while, tried to figure out how to get home, how to get back to their father's castle, how to get back to their father's kingdom. And they attempted to cross the mountain pass, but it was not passable. They just couldn't do it. It was beyond their ability. And they tried thinking about going up river, but the river is too strong and it went through canyons. There was just no way to be able to do it. And so they began to settle in around a fire. And over the course of time, one of the brothers decided, you know something? I'm not going to do this anymore. We can't get back to our father's house. We can't get back to the kingdom. Forget it. And he went and he joined the, 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 those people. And he ended up building himself a house out of mud. And he, was, he was skilled and talented. He built this house. It was really considered a castle to the people. And the other two brothers went to try to bring him back to the fire and say, don't you remember our father? He says, no, I'm, I'm building my own thing. I'm going to stay here. We're never going to be able to make it back there. And they let him, they let him stay there on the plains with those immoral people in his hut, which is considered a palace. There's two brothers now, and one's there at the fire, and the other one says, you know what? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going I'm to make a bridge all the way up the river and I'm going to make it back. I'm going to make it back to the kingdom. And so he began to work ardently every day, gathering rocks, putting them alongside of the river. And of course, invariably they would wash out, but he would work all the harder to try to get a road to go up the river. And, and the other brother stayed by the fire and would sing songs of the goodness of his father's kingdom and would think about going back, didn't know how to do it, toasting marshmallows and having s'mores. Over the course of time, the father sent the one son. The oldest son ended up coming to that land and found the brothers scattered and tried to talk them into coming with him to return home. So he talked to the one man who had the, 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 the mud hut and he said, no, you're just trying to get my house. I'm not leaving my castle here and you'll never make it back. It's impossible. I'm, I'm going to stay here. And he went off reveling with the cave dwelling slugs living immorally. And the brother that was building the, 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 the road up the river the, to make it back to the kingdom said, no, I can do it. I'm going to earn my way back. And when I get there, my father, our father will embrace me. I did a horrible thing and I just need to pay the price of working back. I'll be able to do it. And the brother at the fire 
Well, he didn't believe the older brother either. It's an exactly a picture of us. God sent his one and the only begotten son and the only way to make it into his kingdom is by believing on him and that's called the grace of God. Many people don't know about God's grace. And God's grace is distorted basically in our land and the distortion comes in two main ways. One, if you don't understand God's grace, then basically you will end up living in a place of legalism. And I would say that most of you, although I might be incorrect in that, but I have found in my limited experience of about 20 years that most people respond this way to God. When they fail, in other words, they don't do so well, then they live in shame, maybe just for a season, but maybe the season's longer. Some, some seasons are longer for some people than others. But when they fail, they hang their head down in shame and don't experience confidence before God or favor before him. So they hang their head and they're like, oh, God. And they sort of dwell there. But at the same token, when they succeed, when they do well, when they're doing well, then they, 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 just, they just feel like all that. They have confidence and their prayer life comes up because they're doing well. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because we'd all be in shock and I'd be grieved that I haven't discipled you better. <laughs> if that's the way you live, that's legalism. Earning God's love through your, your works or your efforts or, 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 or feeling shame and guilt because you, you, you ate a salad during your fast. <laughs> and so if you don't understand God's grace, you'll live that way distorted, which is really distorted. The other way, the other distortion is by having a half-hearted response towards God. In other words, if you, if you don't view God's word accurately and really understand the grace of God, then you won't live for him like he wants you to. Listen, all of God's power, he released to you, to me, and he did it in such a way that he empowers us then to live with all of our hearts towards him. Any message on grace that teaches you that you can cut corners and still be okay with God is a word, well, what I would call a doctrine of demons. What? What are you, what? What are you saying, Pat? Any message that teaches you you can cut corners in your holiness and cut corners in your walk with the Lord, it's not from God. Now, by, by living right for God, it doesn't earn you any greater place of righteousness than you had when you first believed. Because when you first believe and you receive Jesus, he gives you his, it's called imputed righteousness. When you repent, bam, he makes you righteous. And as you stand before God, he sees you perfect because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now there's an imputed righteousness and then there's imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness is that which God gives because the death that you deserve, that I deserve, he was placed upon his son Jesus. 
And when you understand that and, and you understand about being a new creation, the old is gone and the, and the new has come. When you understand that, it does something inside of you. Psalm 119 says, at the entrance of his word, it brings light. You see, when you begin to study the word and the word comes alive to you and you begin to gain revelation by the spirit of God. Listen, you need a revelation of grace is what we need. We need a revelation of grace. There's many people that know the word far more than you and I will intellectually. But it's not played out in their life. It's not alive. It's not living. It's not breathing to them. Amazing grace. When you really understand grace, you will live full throttle with your foot to the floor, loving God because of a revelation of what he, because he loved you first. I've told this illustration before. When my wife and I were courting, I had a 1969 Pontiac Le Mans with a 454 in it. And the thing had some guts. Yes. It, 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 I mean, I could light them up, you know what I mean? And, and I did frequently. I would get touched by God, actually, when I burned rubber. I mean, I would just put worship on and just, you know, love doing four-wheel drifts. I figured there was a high, I was worshiping the Lord with my 1969 Pontiac. When you, when you have a revelation of the grace of God, it, it'd be like, it, it's like this. I would get in my car and I had, I'd have a picture of my soon-to-be bride right over the speedometer. I would finish work and I'd get in that thing. Oh, those doors could close. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God help you if you got your finger caught in one. And I'd close that door and I'd be and I'd be nice until I get to a place where I, I'm free. You know what I mean? It's like, it might have been a generational iniquity, but anyway. <laughs> I get out of the highway and I just look at that speedometer. And I knew that if I could, if I drove fast, I could get to her. I could see her. So I'd be like, I drive and I speed. I'd be like, yes, going to see my girl. And I'd just be like rocking out. And then, you know, I'd come up into the driveway and be like, hey. She worked at a coffee shop. She was a barista. Can I tell you what I used to do? This is how I courted. I, I, would, I would play worship music. I would play worship music that would just take me to heaven. Hillsong came out with some albums back then in the mid-90s that were just on fire. I, I still weep when I play them. I would listen to Hillsong in this car and at a thousand watt stereo system. I would turn that thing up and then I would just come like drive up to the coffee place in a cloud of glory. And I does anybody know what it feels like when God's power is resting on you and you know you're like plugged into 223 phase and you're just radiant? You know, you're like, God. Yeah. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just feel his joy, feel his power. And, and so I would just get like that and I'd be like, Whoa, God, I love you. And then I would quickly run into the coffee place so that she could see the power of God on me because I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you know, know that I was all like that. Of course, it would leak out my left leg shortly thereafter. But I would run into the coffee place and be like, ah. 
Good to see you. She'd be like, oh, oh, oh. she couldn't even, she just lose, she just, you know, heart palpitating. She's like, he's here, he's here, he's here. And of course they knew I was there because I came riding up thumping, just thumping worship. That's how it should be with Jesus. When you realize what he did for you, when you realize that you were a rank sinner, even if you were moral, even if you went to church your whole life, even, even if you were a prostitute or a pimp, or you came from some far corner of the street or a street urchin, no matter where you came from, when you realize that Jesus died in your place, and in that moment of repentance, bam, he gives you his righteousness and he translates you out of darkness into his light. And then you're just like, oh, oh God, I love you. Oh, Lord, you just want to talk to him. You want to you talk to you. You just can't wait to read the word. You just can't wait to go to church. You get to go. You don't have to. You get to. You don't have to go. You you want to. You're like, can't wait to read the word. You can't wait to lift your hands in worship because you were a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God, by the grace of God, he translated you. He made you new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old is gone and the new has come. You're a new creation. Yes, Somebody say hallelujah today. That's the grace of God. Do you have to get excited about it? Yes. If it doesn't move you, then you don't understand it. Let me say that again. If you, any theology that you've learned, if it doesn't move you to an encounter to go deeper in his presence, his power, his grace, then it's only served you to make you more religious. And I will tell you right now, we got enough of that. We need people that are filled with passion, people that really understand his word, that are moved by his presence, moved by the truth. Listen, when you learn the truth, it'll move you. And if it didn't move you, you misunderstood it. Somebody said, Pastor, how do I get more on fire? Have a revelation in the word. Understand what he's done for you. Understand your identity in Christ. Understand the power you have. I almost preached on, on prayer releases his grace. You can boldly come before the throne of God's grace and pray. And release grace and help in time of need. Grace, the power of God. You will not come before his throne if you don't understand grace. And you certainly won't do it with confidence. And it won't be fun. Or you get trapped in some pharisaical thing of trying to make a road up the river. So that when you get there, you're embraced by the Father. No, you're embraced by the Father already. When you believe on him, when you believe on his son, Jesus, who died in your place. Thank you, Jesus. Second Corinthians 6, 1. We plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You're so vain. <laughs> Probably think the song is about... How many remember that? All right. You just dated yourself too. Praise the Lord. Let 
receiving the grace of God in vain, in vain, empty substance. It means receiving it in a way that neither produces any confidence in, before God. It means receiving God's grace in a way that there's no confidence in God's love and no confidence in God's power. So let me say this to you, and this might hurt just a little bit. If you have no confidence in God's love and you have no confidence in his power, then you have received the grace of God in vain or you haven't received his grace at all. Oh, let me, let me, let me say that again so you can put the golden slipper on. If you do have no confidence in God's love over your life and you have no confidence of his power and you call yourself a Christian because you've believed on Jesus, then you don't really understand God's grace. Because when you understand his grace, you will have confidence and you will have power. You know, I, uh, it's a good thing I don't have notes. Praise the Lord. Should I do it? <laughs> Sometimes I get my wife walked out. I'm in trouble. Karen, come back. <laughs> there is a... Um, Well, you know, I just not have not really studied up on it just yet. But in my cursory overview, there is Christians that are being led astray by, by this thing that's called the Law of Attraction, a book called The Secret. Anybody know about it? Yeah. yeah. From, from my cursory overview, I don't see any acknowledgement of God. And I see no scripture. And while many principles in the book are true... Any spirit that comes that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. And, it, and, and when you begin to get a hold of principles that are not biblical and don't acknowledge God, you have then crossed over into demon power. The power of the mind. Tony Robbins, I'll go ahead and say that. I don't mind. Those, the, 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 uh, the human potential movement. And I think the reason that people are tapping into that is because they don't really understand the grace of God. And they don't really understand the power that is behind them as a believer. Don't really understand the power of the resurrection or haven't seen the plot in their life in such a way where they've got confidence and a release of the kingdom of God so that they then begin to relate to what I would call magic. You say, well, aren't those principles true? Yeah, many of them are true, and you'll find them in Scripture. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to stand in those things absent of Christ. It's very dangerous. Yes. Somebody say, whoa. whoa. I, I need to close. But I love this one Scripture, so I'm going to go look at where is it at. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Somebody say praise the Lord. Come on, somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Got it. First John. Put it up on the screen too. First John 4.
First John 4, verse uh, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. <laughs> what? I've prayed with this bat for almost 20 years now. This is my prayer bat. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Let's read that last part, because as he is, stop, how is he? Where, where, how, where is he? How, how is he right now? I mean, it, it, is, is Jesus on a gurney? No. Do you think he's got to intervene us right now? No. Do you think he needs a transfusion? No. So how is he? Come on, brother. That's exactly right. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession for you and I. But he's not just there. He's in my heart. Is he in your heart? If he's not, we can help you with that in a moment. He's in, he's in my heart. He's in your heart, right? As he is, how is he? He's glorified. As he is, so we are in this world. Now, many people during this time of the year see Jesus as a little baby Jesus. He's just cute little baby. He's just the baby Jesus. It's easy to love little baby Jesus. Little baby Jesus. And they leave him in the main baby Jesus. Every year, every year around Christmas, they worship the little baby Jesus. Little baby Jesus. How many of you know the baby grew up? As he is. They just see him as a baby. He's, he's, he's not a baby anymore. Or they see him on the cross. I grew up in a Catholic church for a period of time. They see him on the cross. How many of you know Jesus is no longer on a cross? I don't, you know, I, I thank God for Catholics, St. Jerome, without which the Catholics, we would not have the word of God. So praise the Lord. But I, I'm, a, I'm just allergic to crosses that have Jesus on them because he's not there anymore. And if you just leave him on a cross, well, that, that's, that's no good. That's not the gospel. The gospel is he was crucified and he rose again. He's not in a tomb anymore. Come on, he's not in a tomb anymore. So where is he? He's seated at the right hand of majesty. He's interceding for you and I. And then he comes to live in your heart. He comes to live in my heart, right? As he is, so we are in this world. That is an understanding of grace will release his love in your life and his power. And so many people quote 1 John 1, 9. If we, if we confess our sins to him, I'm so thankful for this scripture. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. You'd not quote that as much if you just memorized and got a hold of the truth of the book of Romans. Because you'd walk in victory and you'd never go back to the sin life. I mean, we all stumble in many ways, but I'm saying you, you just, you'd live in victory. One more illustration, I'll close. By the way, the sun's out. Praise God. In 1995, one more illustration, we'll close. 1995, anybody know what happened in the spring of 1995, Major League Baseball? Anybody know? Very unusual year. Any baseball fans out there? God bless you. 
Anybody know what happened in 1995, in the spring of 1995? The, 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 the major league went on strike. Now, uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. How many of you think you could make the major league right now? You just had tryouts? Besides John Paletti, he could probably do it. Anybody else? All right, he, he could make it. All right. Very few of us could make the major league. And some of us think we might be able to, and really you wouldn't. Right? That's called deception. Anyway. In 1995, Major League Baseball went on strike. And the minor leagues went on strike too. And there was no baseball. But all the owners got together and decided, you know what, let's just have baseball anyway. And they got a bunch of baseball players from the Little League. They got coaches. They got anybody that was willing to play. And they put on uniforms. I mean, you could be, you could be a Little League coach and played for the Red Sox or for the Yankees. This happened in 1995 in the spring, just for a small period of time. And they let people come in and watch the games for a dollar. You could shell a, a dozen peanuts by the time the ball was brought from the outfield to the infield. I mean, it was like pathetic baseball. But there was no arguing. Nobody was complaining against the umpires. There was nothing going on. You know why? Because these guys were little boys at one time that saw the, the you know, they saw the, the Babe Ruth maybe, or they, they, they heard about the Babe Ruth. They, they saw the tremendous plays of their heroes when they were a boy. And they thought, one day I'm gonna play baseball. One day I'm gonna be in the big league. And as it panned out, most of them didn't make it, but they still loved the game. And they still loved the smell of the grass. And they still loved the game. And so they're out there and they are filled with joy, laughing, having a good time. It was almost like a comedy of errors. But there was no arguing over any calls. There was no strife on the teams. And you know what we call that? Major League Grace. You see, God chose you. And you might be immoral. You might be moral. You might be religious. But he chose you. And if you believe on him, he gives you a jersey and he puts you on the team. And it's amazing. It's amazing that you can boldly come. Can somebody say amen in here? Come on, somebody say thank you for the grace of God. Come on, say thank you for the grace of God that I'm a new creation. Stand up on your feet. Very simple, elementary message. Elementary. Your identity is in Christ. You are my goodness. Come on, sing with us. We'll close. Just a moment. You are my goodness. You are my goodness. You are my grace. Sing to you, Father, the King of all things. You are. I am. Was and who is. I love that song because it really says it all. It was written by Pastor Alex years ago. Yeah, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to become the righteousness of God, to have all of your sins forgiven, to make heaven your home, to become an, and be a new creation today by repenting of your sin. If that's you, you want to get right with God for the first time, or perhaps you need to recommit because you've drifted in your walk with the Lord. You're not serving him wholeheartedly all across this place. If that's you, would you lift your hand now? You want to get right with God, just lift your hand. God bless you. Lift your hand. Amen. Perhaps online. 
Won't you pray with us? Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. Make your truth of grace, the truth of your word, come alive. That people would spend time, even in the book of Romans, meditating on your word. Lord, not looking outside of your word to find some special secret power. Because your power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is available for us by the grace of God. Release a hunger in your people that living understanding and truth would illuminate the hearts of each and every one. And we'd be forever changed by the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Do that even this week, I pray. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. I want to take just a brief time. Pastor Alex, come and join me. We want to take a special offering towards some Christmas outreaches that we have. And um, we're going to be doing a, an outreach here for uh, Christmas Eve Candlelight Communion. We've done it just about every year. And it's grown every year. I'm believing for four to 500 people be here the Christmas Eve Candlelight Communion. You come, you'll begin to see posters around town. So this is going to go towards helping that. And we're going to be redoing some things in the church over the week before. And, and uh, Jesus, help us get all of that done. Uh, but tell, tell the people what the Lord did for, uh, for you. Well, in the, in the youth ministry, we've believe, uh, been believing for um, the opportunity to do uh, some outreaches. And one of the things we had considered was trying to bless some of the teachers of, of the schools around here. And uh, so we started with one, and I spoke with the principal at Wasilla High School. And uh, I presented the uh, a thought about trying to bless the teachers there. And there's 104 uh, teachers and faculty at Wasilla High. And I asked her if there was some way that we could come in and just do something to bless them and say thank you for serving the youth of the community. And she said, yes, that would be amazing. And, and I know it's just one school. Hopefully we'll, we'll be able to do it for all the schools. Um, but we have an opportunity this coming Wednesday to set up in their, their staff lounge and just um, provide coffee and, and basically breakfast for them and just tell them thank you for serving the youth of our community, not really asking for anything else, not trying to get in the church, but merely just to bless them and say thank you. And you guys all know that's very impactful and what an opportunity we have to do that. So uh, your seed goes towards that as well. Thank you. So you'll be keeping that in prayer. That'll be this Wednesday. You pray for them. Ushers, would you help us? If you want to participate in that, you need an envelope to record your giving. Go ahead, lift your hand. They'll bring that to you. I hope you got something from the Lord today. Very simple message about the grace of God. Misunderstood. So simple. Must become like a little child. I want to pray for a family. Gary and Emily, where are you? Would you come? While their people are preparing their offering. These guys are heading out. Minnesota. Correct? That's what I meant. South Michigan. 
All right, we want to pray for you. These guys have been a part of our church for this last season, and uh, they live up in Willow, so sometimes it's hard for them to make it down here, but this is a precious couple. Would you reach your hands towards them? Father, we thank you for the call of God. We thank you for the blessing of heaven. Lord, to rest upon them and their family. Lord, pour out over them. Go before them. Hem them in before and behind. Make a way, God, as you already have. Continue to do that. Lord, as they return back to Gary's home, I pray for a tremendous impact of the Spirit of God there. I thank you that they know you. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a great work even among the Amish there, Lord. And we pray for the power of heaven to visit, Lord, the Amish community and the Amish church there. Lord, you'd bless them and use them mightily unto your service. And Lord, if it be your will and you want to bring them back to us <laughs> one day, we wouldn't mind that. And Lord, all we want is your plan and will. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Put your hands together for those guys. Ushers, would you come? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be able to touch Wasilla High School. Lord, we lift up even the high school now and pray that we would be your hand extended, Lord, through a cup of coffee, a donut, a little treat, the warmth of the love of Jesus being expressed in a very unreligious way. God, thank you for the generosity of your people. Lord, even for our outreach here for Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. Lord, let us reach people. There's some people that just won't come to church unless it's Christmas Eve. God, I pray, bring people in that don't know you. Let your power be manifested, Lord, here in this house and even through this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go right ahead. Praise God. After you give, would you stand up with us? To you, Father, the King of all things, you are and I am. Who was and who is to come? You are my goodness. Yeah. You are my goodness. You are my take someone by the hand don't forget ladies the Christmas cookie exchange amen bring lots of cookies so you can bring them back to your husbands and family hallelujah amen there is child care glory glory all right we got child care that night it is uh, uh, what, what's tomorrow 630 don't miss don't it bring three to four dozen I would lean more towards the four dozen side because we usually have at least 50 ladies Right, and then they all exchange cookies, and then you bring them back to the house, and I eat the praise of the Lord. Amen. All the men said hallelujah. All right, good. You be a part of the different things that are taking place. We just love you. If you're not going to see you because you're going to be traveling, then we'll, we bless you and hope you have a great trip. Father, thank you for what you've done today. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight. Six o'clock service tonight. Bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. 
Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival. 